Green Pastures are the weekly devotions published by Vineyard Boise, consisting of four parts, the reading, the reflection, the question, and the prayer. Green Pastures for Wednesday, December 6th. The Harmed One. Today is scripture reading, 2 Samuel 11, 2-5, Message Translation. One late afternoon, David got up from taking his nap and was strolling on the roof of the palace. From his vantage point on the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was stunningly beautiful. David sent to ask about her and was told, Isn't this Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam and wife of Uriah the Hittite? David sent his agents to get her. After she arrived, he went to bed with her. This occurred during the time of purification following her period. Then she returned home. Before long, she realized she was pregnant. Later, she sent word to David, I'm pregnant. This is God's word. An excerpt from The Most Misunderstood Women of the Bible by Mary DeMuth. That morning brought mourning as her monthly flow finished reminding her of her barrenness and her need for cleansing. There would be no child this month, only uncleanliness and longing. As the sunshine warmed her, she made her way to the rooftop to bathe away her grief and impurity and peace. She let out the breath she had been holding in all morning as the sun warmed her face. Perhaps all would be well, she thought. She considered how the light of the spring was turning everything verdant on the hills of Judea as she stepped into the mikveh. With deliberateness, she poured water over herself, asking God to please cleanse her from bitterness and the gnawing ache of loneliness. Each shower of water became a small hint of emancipation to her. Soon she would be clean. Not long from now, Uriah would arrive home and perhaps his child would soon kick within her womb. Her soul felt alive, like it had not in a very long time. Bathsheba pulled her wrappings around herself and shivered as she picked her way down the stairs into her home below, cleansed from her ritual impurity. She covered her now wet hair and put on her evening clothes. Suddenly, an insistent knock interrupted her quiet regathering. A servant approached her as she finished dressing. Several of the king's men are outside. They said they must speak to you at once. The bottom fell out from her heart. No, not Uriah. It cannot be. Never had she been visited by the king's men before now. Their presence only meant dire news. Several men stood in the fading light. One came to the front of the group, his hand clasped together in front of him. He would not meet her eyes, though she tried to catch his to ascertain the tenor of the news he brought. You are Bathsheba, daughter of Eliam, wife of Uriah? It is as you say, she swallowed. The king has need of you, he said. What is the news of Uriah? Surely you can tell me here. Her heart thrummed a drumbeat beneath her ribcage, but the man said nothing. Instead, he grabbed her elbow with force and began walking her toward the palace. I don't understand, she said. The other men surrounded her as the first continued to force her forward. Their faces were like stone. 
nothing more. They said nothing. Instead, they marched her to the palace entrance. Why am I being summoned, she asked. Silence. She wanted to ask more questions, but she now understood the futility. Perhaps the king's respect for Uriah meant that he would tell Bathsheba of his demise himself. The men opened a giant double door. Inside stood the king, but he was not wearing the robes he wore for state business. He looked ordinary somehow, more like a man than a king. Leave her, he commanded his servants. There she stood, hair still wet beneath her head covering, shivering, though not cold. Now the news would be delivered. She took in four steady breaths as the king said nothing to her, his eyes scanning her body, then meeting her eyes. Waiting for him to speak, she swallowed. But he said nothing of Uriah. Instead, he performed the act reserved only for Uriah, as if it were his right, leaving her shaking and broken. Though intrinsically she knew she had no choice in what David had done, guilt still strangled her. What would dear Uriah think of her? She curled in on herself, feeling the sting of her injuries, begging God to kill her. But God's answer was silence. Bathsheba's bathing on the roof would not have been a controversial location. In fact, she was doing exactly what she was supposed to be doing. Meanwhile, David was supposed to be out leading his armies, but had stayed behind. This would not have been some elaborate plan of seduction here. The power imbalance involved in this scenario did not leave her room to decline the king's advances. Who would have helped her if she had cried out? Certainly not that group that took her from her home in the first place. As Wilda Gaffney observes in her book, Womanist Midrash, rape is an abuse of power that can include relational and positional power in addition to physical power. The power dynamic here is clear. David uses his power and authority to wield a lethal force to keep her. He sees her, sins for her, and sleeps with her without her consent. Bathsheba has been harmed deeply, and the ripples of these actions would impact her whole life. Acknowledging that is a big part of bringing justice to her story. What stood out to you about the retelling of this piece of the story? How is it different or the same to how you've read this story in the past? What new insight does it bring as we consider Bathsheba? Lord, how easy it is for us to stop at the headline featuring in biblical lore, too often manly men dominating the show. Lead me beyond such headlines writ large and bold to the hidden figures in the byline, in the fine print, without whom the story would never have been told nor we here to tell it, nor to hear it, or to live it. Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, Miriam. Help me not to brush by them or their stories. 
no matter how unsavory or scandalous the details at times, as they frequently weathered the abuse and domination of an all-too-often heavy and abusive male hand, rising up as true mothers in Israel, rising to rock the cradle of the world, the new heavens and the new earth, in which justice and mercy meet, through the one born in Bethlehem on the starry, starry night, through your mercies. <laughs>